Well, welcome back once again to our second week in our sermon series called Complete in Christ as we're studying the book of Colossians and realizing that everything that we need for our salvation is complete in Christ. Oh, give me a second. Just how I planned on starting off my presentation. All right. How do you fill in this blank? Blank over everything. It's kind of a phrase that's been around for a while now. You might see it somewhere. Uh, It's something over everything. What would you say is the most important thing over everything? Let me give you a couple examples. Money over everything. This is one that's pretty been popularized in like hip hop songs. If you're that type of person to hear that, they say money over everything. You know, it kind of comes down to, hey, do you want to go party tonight? And then the other guy would say, no, I have to work. Money over everything. And I think that's a lot of ways how people live their life, saying that money is the most important thing in their life. Well, this one, family over everything. See, I can see this one being painted at one of like those wood palette painting parties. You know what I'm talking about? Big cursive letters, family over everything, and then you put it in your living room. Because family is great. It's the best thing in the world. We have these great family members that love us so much. Family over everything. Well, this one, loyalty over everything. Now, this one, I think it has to do with how you decide to choose either your friends or romantic partners. Because sense of humor is great, and you know, good personality is great, but loyalty over everything. You have to be able to trust the person who you're partnered with, whether that's a friend or a spouse, whatever it is. Loyalty over everything. And I found some goofy ones, too. I saw this one online. Pizza over everything. We live in a world where people talk about how great hamburgers and tacos are, but come on, pizza over everything, right? And also, if you're looking to get your pastor a belated Christmas present, I like this one. T-shirt that says, Beards Over Everything. (laughs) Just putting that out there. If you'd like to give me that, it would be all right. But what about this one? Jesus Over Everything. I bet you guys knew that I was heading this direction. If you've been a Christian for a while, you would agree and say, yes, Jesus is over everything. Jesus is more powerful and more important than everything. But do you really believe that? If I looked at your life, would you say that you're living a life with Jesus is more important and over everything? Do you understand the implications of this statement if you truly say that Jesus is over everything? Because if you say Jesus is over everything, well, then that means that Jesus is over your money. Does Jesus get the final say in how you use your money? Or do you? The Bible tells us that we're supposed to give back to the church and live generous lives, sharing our money with many people. And do you live that way? Do you listen to Jesus in that way? Or do you just keep your money for yourself? Or about this, Jesus over your sex life. We live in a world where I don't think lots of people like to live with that statement. Because we know what the Bible says. Where the Bible says that you should have no sex outside of marriage. Sex is a great gift and it's a great gift that's given for married couples. So that means if you're a single person, that means you'll have no forms of sex in your life. And if you're married, any form of sexual desires that you have will need to be directed towards your spouse. 
That means no looking at anyone else, no looking at someone on the internet or talking in a flirtatious way with a coworker. That means that all that energy is directed towards your spouse. Does Jesus get the final say over your sex life? Or about this, Jesus over your reputation. It's so easy to gossip, right? Maybe you have friends that gossip all the time, and I think the reason why we do that is because it makes ourselves look a little better. But would you stand up for Jesus if that's maybe not the cool thing to do? Would the way how you live be reflected in the statement that Jesus is more important than your reputation? Or about this, Jesus over your comfort. Do you realize that the way how believers and unbelievers relax are usually in different ways? If you say that Jesus is over your comfort, well, that means that you're not going to drink a half a bottle of wine on a Friday night because you know that the Bible says that drunkenness is sinful. There will be different types of movies and music that you listen to if Jesus is over your comfort because you know that you don't want to listen and watch those sinful things. But is Jesus truly over your comfort? Well, today we're going to look at a song from first, or in Colossians chapter 1 that I'm going to give the title to Jesus Over Everything. The book of Colossians was written to a group of people that were struggling with uh, a heresy, a false teaching. And the way the false teaching was taught was, it was along the lines of saying that Jesus isn't complete that you still need something else. Uh, There's this weird idea out there about worshiping angels that false teachers were teaching. that If you wanted to have a good relationship with God, you still needed to worship angels. And apparently there were still a lot of Jewish people in this congregation, and they were spreading false teachings that if you wanted to be good with Jesus, that you still needed to follow the Jewish dietary regulations and their customs and their laws. And uh, in the next chapter, we'll find out next week how the Apostle Paul really goes toe-to-toe with this false doctrine. But before he even gets there, uh, there's this beautiful song that we're going to look at, just talking about how Jesus is better than everything else. How you don't need to turn to anything else because we know Jesus. And since Jesus is over everything, um, we either think that this is something that the Apostle Paul wrote himself because it tied in so well with everything um, in the book of Colossians, or this is just something that um, the song that they were singing just in their churches at the time, a song that's been around for a long time. We're not exactly sure. And uh, to give you a heads up, it's kind of a complicated song. It's not, not quite like the song that we hear on the radio today where you know they repeat the chorus over and over again so it gets stuck in your head. It's more like a hymn. Have you ever sang one of our hymns here, and you finish singing it, and you close it up, and afterwards you said, man, I didn't understand a single thing that that hymn was talking about. Have you ever done that? Um, Because sometimes hymns can be complicated and complex, and if you're not looking at it with a magnifying glass, you might just buzz right over something and not know what it's talking about. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this song, and we're going to use our magnifying glasses and look in at everything and understand all of some of the theological implications of it. So it's a two-verse song. The first verse talks about how Jesus is over creation, and then the second verse talks about how Jesus is over the church. So let's jump into it. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So like I said, what does this mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation? First, let's focus on that term, image. Do you remember back to the very first pages of the Bible that said that God created Adam in his image? 
And we realize that at creation, that Adam was created in God's image, and that meant that he was perfect and holy like God. So Adam was created in God's image, but Jesus is the image. So what that phrase means is just another way of saying that Jesus is true God. He is the exact image of God. If you want to look at God, well then, you have to look at Jesus. Throughout history, God has been an invisible God. But for 33 years, when Jesus was in this world, you could physically look and listen to and talk to and touch Jesus. That's what people could do. So if you wanted to know what God is like to this day, we still need to look at Jesus. We need to go back to the scriptures that talk about Jesus, and that's where we'll find out what God is like. He is the image of the invisible God. And he's also the firstborn over all creation. And that line right there, firstborn over all creation, was debated by many theologians for many years. And to this day, if a Jehovah's Witness comes and knocks on your door, this might be one of the first passages they show you. Because they want to prove to you that Jesus isn't the true God. So they'll say, look at this, he's the firstborn over creation. He's not true God because God created him. He was just the first thing that God created. So how would you respond to that? How would you respond to looking at this verse and saying, how is Jesus not the first thing that God created? Well, a simple answer would be, it doesn't say he's the firstborn of creation. He's the firstborn over creation. This is a term that's talking about importance. Firstborn, uh, that was really a, a status symbol back in the Old Testament. Your firstborn son, he got all the rights, all the perks. He would get double the inheritance than all the other siblings. It was an important role to be the firstborn. And that's what this verse is talking about. That Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Not meaning that he was the first thing that was created, but that Jesus is above everything else. Jesus is more important, more supreme than anything else in this whole world. For in him all things were created... Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So I have this line highlighted right here talking about thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Uh, That's kind of a fancy biblical way just to say the word angels. Angels either good or bad. It's kind of interesting that this line is in this song, because remember how I said that there's this false teaching going around where people were tempted to worship angels? And right away in this song it says, no, we don't need to worship angels because God created them. Why would you you worship something that God created? Because God created everything, and all things are held together through him. When you turn on the news, um, you'll find out about the 1% of the times when creation doesn't hold together. You'll hear stories about avalanches, tsunamis, earthquakes, wildfires, all those types of stories when creation isn't being held together. But isn't it crazy that 99% of the time creation is held together? Think about how complex weather systems are and the water cycle. Think about the food cycle, food cycle out in nature and how complex the human body is. The human body is so complex that to this day, scientists are still learning new things about it. Think about how wonderful it is just where the earth is placed. If the earth was placed any closer to the sun, we would all burn up and die. 
And if it was any farther away from the sun, we would all freeze and die. But all things are being held together by Jesus. We were placed in just the right spot, and creation is all being held together all through him. And looking at that first verse, we see that Jesus is over creation. Jesus is the one who created everything, from the tallest mountain to the deepest ocean, from the smallest subatomic particle to the highest star up in the sky, from the ugliest cockroach to the most beautiful supermodel. All things were created by Jesus, and they are created for his glory. And when you know that, when you know that Jesus is over all creation, that's going to change your life. If there was a giant semi-truck that was driving over a small bridge, there might be a bridge quake. Or if there's like this big, muscly bodybuilder and he walks over some really thin ice, there might be an ice quake. And when you learn that Jesus is over all creation, there will be a life quake. Your life cannot stay the same knowing that Jesus is over all creation, knowing that Jesus is the creator of the universe and through him he's holding all things together. That's going to change the way that you live. And it's easy to look at the Colossians and kind of laugh at them because, man, why would they worship angels? There's something that God created. But really, isn't that the same thing that we do? We worship something that God created instead of God? Money over everything. Let's talk about this for a moment. What is money? Well, it's paper. It's paper that's made from trees, trees that God created. And why do we like money so much? Well, it's because you can buy things. You can buy things like a brand new house. A new house that's made from materials that God created. And you can go out and you can buy the best meals that money can offer, which is food, which is made from plants and animals, which God created. And you can go on a vacation, and you can go out and look at things that God created. So to put money above God just doesn't make sense. It's because it's something that God created. What about this one? Family over everything. We love our families. But you know who's part of your family? People who God created. Since God created our families and our family members, we can't look to them in the same way that we look to God. We can't look to them for love, support, and security the same way that we look to God. We can't worship our families. Instead, we need to worship the Creator. And whatever else you'd put in this blank, whatever else you would say that is most important in your life, whatever it is, I can guarantee you if the blank is not Jesus, it's something that Jesus created. And since Jesus created it, we can't worship that thing. Instead, we need to worship the creator because Jesus is over everything. There once was a father and a daughter, and his daughter just graduated from high school. And she had a bright future. She was involved in all sorts of sports and clubs and had great grades. And she got into Iowa State University about three and a half hours south of here. And as it was summertime, the father was getting a little sad knowing that his little baby girl was moving away. So he got her a present. 
a brand new cell phone, a way that they could keep in touch with one another while she's gone. And the father even decided, you know what, uh, I'm going to drive you to school, just the two of us, and it's going to be a great road trip, and we can bond with one another and talk. But as they started driving, uh, for the first hour, the daughter had her head in her cell phone as she continued to send selfies and emojis to all of her friends and would keep laughing. And after about an hour, the father said, hey, would it be all right if you put your phone away so we could talk for a while? And she said, yeah, 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 in a minute, Dad, and continued to keep texting for the next hour until the worst possible thing happened. The cell phone battery died. And the girl didn't know what to do, and she said, Dad, we need to stop at a gas station and get a new charger. And he said, hey, I, I thought we could maybe just talk now. And that's when she said, no offense, Dad, but my friends are just more exciting than you. What word would you use to describe that daughter? Maybe you're thinking of some nasty words out there. She's a pretty nasty daughter. Maybe she's kind of like a brat. Um, what would you think that this daughter liked more? Her phone or her father? Did she like her father more or the gifts that her father could give her? And that's the same thing we need to ask about God. Who's more important to you in your life? God or the gifts that he gives you? Do you worship the creator or something that he created? Jesus is over everything. And once you realize that, that will have to change your life, and that will make you reprioritize some things in your life. So that's verse 1, talking about how Jesus is over creation. Now let's move over to verse number 2, how Jesus is over the church. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So here again we see that term firstborn again. This time he's not firstborn over creation, he's firstborn from among the dead. And once again we understand that this isn't a time concept, because Jesus wasn't actually the first person to die and rise again. In the Bible, we see a story about how there's a little girl who died that Jesus came and he rose her from the dead. And there's another story about Jesus' friend Lazarus who died and Jesus came and brought him back to life too. So Jesus wasn't the first person who died and rose from the dead, but he's the most important one who did it. Because since he died and rose from the dead, that means that all of us will be able to die and rise from the grave as well. He's the most important one. He's the firstborn over the dead. And now, since he did that, he is the head of the body of the church. How much can your body help you if you don't have a head? Not too great, huh? You can't walk around, you can't do anything. And Jesus is the head of the church. He's the one that allows us to operate. He gives us wisdom and guidance as a church to move forward with spreading his gospel message. Jesus is more important than the church. He's the head of the church. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So this term here, the fullness to dwell in him, that was talking about Christmas. How Jesus came to this world at Christmas as true man and true God. How the fullness of God was dwelling in Jesus as a true man. He was 100% God and 100% man. And Jesus came to this world to do that, so that he could reconcile to himself all things. 
Reconcile, that's one of those church words I think we like to use a lot, but we don't really understand what it means. But the best way how I understand reconcile is thinking about two people who are just in a terrible fight. Maybe picture two sisters that grew up and they got in a big fight 10 years ago. And for 10 years, they were giving each other the silent treatment. They're out of each other's life. Until something happened and they ended up talking again and they said to one another, what are we doing? Why aren't we talking? I'm sorry for whatever I done, did wrong in the past. Can you forgive me? And the other sister says the same. And now they go back to being best friends again. That's reconciliation. When you have two people who are arguing in a fight and they get back together. And that's the picture of what Jesus did for us. He brought us back to God. We were born enemies of God because of our sinful nature, because of all the other things that we worshipped instead of him. We deserved hell. But Jesus, through his reconciliation, brought us back to God. And he did that through his blood shed on the cross. How do you think Jesus would have answered this blank? Blank over everything. Well, you know what he did? He put your name in it. He said, you are more important than everything else. You are over everything. You are over heaven. Before Jesus came to this world, he was living in heaven, eternal paradise. And he decided to leave that for you to come to this world. He said, you are over my reputation. And when Jesus was in this world... He had people made fun of him. He had people ask him if he was possessed by demons. He had a group of people ask him if he was insane. And when he was put on trial to be put to death, he had Roman soldiers mock and ridicule him and make fun of him. But Jesus knew that you were more important than his reputation. And maybe most impressive of all, he said, you are over my comfort. Because Jesus had to go through incredible pain to reconcile you. He had to shed his blood. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was nailed to a cross, and he shed his blood because you were more important than his comfort. And since Jesus did that, he is over everything. I want you to imagine that you are in a doctor's office, and recently you were diagnosed with a terrible disease, a terrible disease that would one day kill you. But that's when the doctor walks into the room He has a big smile on his face, and he says, I figured it out. I figured out a cure for your disease. He's like, oh, yeah, what's up? He said, I figured it out. There's nothing else you have to do. But now you can't eat any chocolate. No chocolate. That's when your friend leans over to you and goes, no chocolate? Come on. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Because I know there's some chocolate eaters in here, some big chocolate fans here. But if you had to give it up, if your life depended on it, You would. And there are some people out there that don't want to become Christians because they hear that if you become a Christian, that means no sex before marriage. That means no greed. No whatever it is that they've heard from the Bible. But really, Jesus is over everything. He's not trying to kill your joy. Instead, like a loving doctor, he's trying to protect you. Jesus is the one who saved your life. And sure, now that means that that means you might have to say no to some things to place Jesus as the number one spot in your heart. But he's doing that because he loves you, because he saved your life. And, G- and since Jesus is over everything, since Jesus is over the church and over creation, let's be a church that places Jesus over everything.
Let's place Jesus over our money, our reputations, our sex lives, our comfort. Let's keep Jesus as the number one thing in our hearts. Let's, let's live that way. Let's have Jesus be the number one thing of this church. Let's let Jesus be the head of this church. That no matter what decision we decide to move forward as, as a church, we let Jesus be over everything. Let's let Jesus guide us. Let's have Jesus be over everything. We do this all in Jesus' name. Amen.